Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Justin Box. So I've been playing lots of golf, which is amazing. And I played before Christmas and I had 87. 87 is great for someone who's not great. Aaron had 81, which is annoying. But, um, oh, anyway. Um, and then I've been playing with a mate, uh, mates, just nonstop. And then, so I had 87, which is great for nine, uh, 18, <laughs> nine holes was it, been a stinker. But um, for 18 holes, had, had uh, 87, which was great. And, um, but then I played um, on the 29th when you guys were here worshiping Jesus. I was playing on the golf. I was playing golf course at Devil Bend Golf Course. Ooh, and um, and uh, <laughs> we don't talk about him much. That's all he gets is a golf course name. Um, and um, and I had 104. Oh, you should have been at church. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He doesn't work like that. He doesn't work like that. Had 104. Absolute stinker and just angry and yelling and sometimes. Um, and, um, but it's a 17-shot difference or whatever it is. Do you do the maths? 87 to 104, whatever that is. Um, and then I played again. And I played at the Dunes like last week. And I played at the Dunes. It's a very great course, number one public golf course in Australia. And I played there with seven other friends. And I had 92. And it's a really tough course. Wow, Justin, doing really well. But so 87, 104, and then 92. And then Aaron and I played. When did we play? Friday morning. And um, get to Settlers Run Golf Course. And the lady says, just be aware of snakes. I'm like, oh, that's the last thing you want to hear when you're going to play golf. And, she, and I was like, oh, yeah. She goes, no, I'm serious. Like, she says, I'm serious. If you go to look for a ball, luckily mine are always on the fairway. But if you go, so mainly for Aaron, if you go and look for a ball, <laughs> if, you, if you're going to look for a ball, yeah, talk to him. If you go to look for a ball, take a stick or a club. And I'm like, this is full on. I know that because I'm a golfer, um, when I play golf, I'm just aware of long grass, but not like the whole time. And she's like, full on. So I get out there and we're paired up with two other people and one's a member. And I said, mate, what's the deal with this snake thing? And he goes, oh yeah, it's full on. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And, um, and, he, and he goes, oh, well, before they, it's a Greg Norman designed golf course, so it's only like three years old or something, and it's amazing. But they said, so they redeveloped this land. And he goes, this land used to be the RSPCA catch and release program <laughs> for snakes. And I'm like, I don't want to play now. I'm like, this isn't, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That They're all sort of safe, but I'm talking copperheads and black bellies and like just normal Australia browns, you know, full on. So we get to the 18th hole and I'm like full on. And then when you don't see one for a while, you just get confident, you know, um, and it's, it doesn't end like full on. But we get to the 18th hole and the, the guy that we're playing with actually is like, whoa, and he goes, there's a copperhead right there and it's right near the green. And I go over and I'm getting my video and I'm just like standing on a rock going, oh, I've got to catch a video and show, show everyone. And, um, and it was full on and he nearly stepped on it. And like, and it's just full on. So I've been playing so much golf, but I'm getting, and I had 99. We both had 99, 47 on the front and 52 on the back. So I had 99. So I've had 87. I've had, I've had 104, then back down to 92. And now I've had 99. And, and I don't mind screaming and yelling and in frustration even when I'm paired up with people. I get pretty intense when I play. 
And I told him I was a pastor, and he's probably, what is this turkey doing? He's screaming at the ball while it's not going in the hole. But I'm, I'm, I'm actually starting to get a little bit fr- frustrated with this whole golf deal. And I'm like, I'm now at a point where I, I need a golf coach. <laughs> and I'm being serious. And this is going to be good because it costs money. At <laughs> least, like, you're not paying for golf lessons. That's just it. But I'm, I'm like, I've got to a point where I'm starting to enjoy it a lot more, but I'm aware that I have flaws in my golf game. And I got Aaron to film me. And sometimes I just like filming for a bit of Insta. Um, that's the only reason, actually. It's never, it's never for development. But I watched, I watched it. I watched my shot because he's filming and I'm about to hit. And I'm like, you know, 70 metres from the green, so I drive a long ball. And, I'm, um, and, I, and I chip it. And I watched the video back and I t- remember Ken, I said, hey, mate, last week he was hitting and I said, keep your head down and it'll be a lot better. Well, my head is out of control. <laughs> like I'm talking, like just want to see where the ball lands. Like I'm like this. <laughs> like full on. I'll show you. I was going to set the video up, but we couldn't do it because I, I was, we don't do that Saturday night. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, look at my head. Like I gave great feedback to Ken last week and my head is like was up nearly the whole time. Like... <laughs> And I'm like, I need, I, I can't see all the stuff going on in my golf game. But it's such an intricate sport where you alter your grip and the ball goes left or you alter your grip and the ball goes right. And if you don't set up, there's probably 20 or 30 things that you've got to be thinking about consciously or subconsciously before you play the game. It's trivial, yes, but it's enjoyment for me. So I want to get better at it. And I'm just thinking about this whole getting better at it thing where I don't want to be inconsistent up and down every time I play. Because that's frustrating. It's annoying. And I don't want to, I, yeah, I just don't want to do that. I want to get better. I want to get better. And I'm just seeing about this whole feedback deal and this whole coach deal and this whole pro deal where you go and they watch your swing and they go, I can take five shots off your game just by adjusting a couple of things. And it's about feedback. It's about, hey, this is what you're doing and I can actually help you. Feedback isn't criticism. Criticism dis- disapproval. And it's a no good. But feedback is an edifying, building up thing for improvement. It's a for you. It's a, hey, I'm for you, so I'm going to show you this so that you can get better. Because I think we all want to get better, don't we? We want to grow, and it's not better for better's sake. Like, that's, that's a popular phrase now. Like, just, it's just normal in life, like transformation and just getting better and becoming the better you. And that's good. But what does that even mean? <laughs> becoming the better you. And just thinking about the whole personal transformation in the context of the finished work of the cross, but in the context that there's still responsibility and and so often my Christian life has been inconsistent, like my golf game. And I want to do well. The foundation of the enjoyment of golf is there. My foundation of I'm loved and, and God's pleased with me and loves me all the time is there. I can't lose my salvation. I'm secure and locked in, in Him, where our spirits have become one. So you can't take it away. You add cordial to water, you can't take it away. We're now one. You can't extract the cordial. You can't be extracted from God. You're now one. Like it's impossible for you to be separated. There's no separation, Romans 8, from his love. We know that scripture. 
There's no separation. But the inconsistency is something that I have been going after. The inconsistency, the thoughts. That's why this negativity feast is so, negativity fast and positivity feast is such a big deal because we don't want to be inconsistent. This 40 days isn't meant to be just a 40 day thing. It's meant to set us up because 30, 40 days of doing something we know just develops patterns, naturally speaking. And when the Lord jumps on it, we. So this whole feedback deal is a really, really big deal. Just want to look at a couple of scriptures. Let's go to Luke 9:52 to 56. We ready? So good. Okay, this is Jesus. And he sent messengers on ahead of him and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. 53, but they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. They didn't receive Jesus. 54, when his disciples, James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned, Jesus turned and rebuked them, gave them feedback and said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. 56, and the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he went on to another village. Feedback's a massive deal. We don't want to be inconsistent. We don't want to be kind to someone one day and then angry the next. Of course, we're aware of process. Of course, we're aware of developing and growing and stumbling a bit, but still growing and having people check in on us and and encouraging us. Of course, it's a process and perfection's not the goal. We have to enjoy the process of growing. But feedback is such a big deal to the Lord. Let's go to John 18.10. Then Simon Peter, this is at the end. Um, just before Jesus was taken away. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, they came to get Jesus with lanterns and take him away to be crucified, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus, about to be locked up, rebukes, he's still teaching mode. He's still in like rabbi mode, teacher mode, encouragement mode. It might have sounded harsh, but it's still encouragement. He's still full of life. He's not into criticism. He's into feedback. And he said, rebuked him saying, if you live by the sword, you, you will need to die by the sword. If you want to sust- if you, meaning if, if you're going to do this, you've got to sustain it like this. But there's another way. Listen to the podcast from the last three years, Peter. You'll get some great teaching. He forgot quick. And that's why we've got to go on this journey and allow feedback because otherwise we'll just be inconsistent. And consistency is such a big deal. Such a big deal. You good? To the measure that we will embrace feedback will will determine the measure that we grow. To the level that we welcome feedback will be to the level that we grow. I love it. Jesus constantly gave feedback because he knew the gold in people. He saw the potential and he knew that without feedback, it could not come out. I want to talk about two styles of leadership. There's more, but I just want to look at two. And the first is positional leadership. 
meaning that you're either in an organisation, you're a volunteer, but you've actually come under someone. There's someone in a role that runs it or directs it or manages it, manages a team. So it could be a high-end um, company or it just could be an organisation with great structure that has people overseeing different departments, but then you come under that. So you could be a volunteer in that and you've chosen to be a volunteer. You've said, yep, I'll sign up for it. I'm going to come in and be a part of this. I've made the choice. I've understood what it's all about. Expectations, great. What I'm ex- what's expected of me, I don't have to say yes. But when I'm saying yes, I'm taking on board all the requirements that, that the person who's overseeing it have actually put in place. So, yep, I understand. So, or you could be in a company where it's just even to the next level where you're, you're signing contracts and you're understanding your job profile and what's expected and the KPIs and the reviews and that whole world. So regardless of what it is, whatever you choose to be involved with, feedback is really, really normal. It's actually really normal in the business world, in the volunteer world, but often in church we, we struggle with it and there's many reasons why. There's fears and insecurities and pride and, and worries and connection or lack of. And we've got to address it because Jesus loved feedback. God loves feedback. Paul loves feedback. The Bible says at the end of the age, let's read this one. 2 Corinthians 5.10. When we die, God's going to give us feedback. Yay! 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is for Christians. Really clear. There's two judgment. The white throne judgment, which is a heaven or hell deal. But then there's the judgment seat of Christ which is there's no fear involved. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Like he loves feedback. Created the world, it's good. Nonstop feedback with all the, the kings in the Old Testament. Went through everything with them. This is how it's meant to live. This is, these are the things I'm setting up for you to live. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when they didn't, it's like, hey, this is, this is some feedback for you guys. This isn't going to end well. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to put things in place. You guys wanted a king. And the whole Old Testament's about feedback. Jesus steps in. It's all about feedback. Paul and his churches, it's all about feedback. So we've got this positional leadership where in this level of leadership, feedbacks are non-negotiable. Like if you choose yes here or yes there, paid or volunteer, you have to have feedback. It's just part of the deal. Like you can't sign a contract and you've got the list of requirements and then a boss or an oversight comes in and goes, hey, how's it all going? Just want to check in. How are you doing things? I heard your conversation on the phone the other day. Can I just give you a little bit about how we do things? And you're like, no, beat it. (laughs) Like how would that work out for you? Like feedback is like, so their role is saying, I wanted you employed. Your resume was great. Our interviews were excellent. You're now here and I want you to grow in the company. You will not be able to grow if you don't receive feedback from me, your boss. So that's the, that's the lowest level of leadership and feedback. You have to have it. 
I don't want to have to come to church. Kind of have to. Still a choice. But I, the, the I have to is the lowest form of leadership. I have to is the lowest form of feedback. Like, you just have to. Take it, deal with it. And your attitude around that will determine how that all goes for you. But feedback from something you've said yes to is a non-negotiable. But then there's another level of leadership and it's permissional leadership. It's a massive upgrade. It's a massive way of thinking. We go from I have to to I seek it out. It's a massive jump. I want feedback to, sorry, I have to have feedback to actually I want feedback to I seek feedback. So you actually get to a point where, okay, yep, I'm in this role and it's a permissional relation, it's a, it's a positional relationship where it's non-negotiable. But that's actually not the highest form because I don't want to just have to have this. I don't want it to be a, okay, I'll do it because you said so. The actual upgrade is I want to grow. I can't see everything. I've actually allowed these people to speak into my life. I signed the contract. So to actually get to a point where you can go, what you know what, I want to grow to the measure that I allow feedback is to the level that I grow. So I'm actually going to start to seek it. It happened when I was at BSSM. Our revival group pastor was exactly the type of leader that I've always had in church. What a setup by God. Like I was just strong, intense, going after it. Let's, let's do it. And I'm like, I don't want this. I want just glory and wild and crazy. <laughs> like full on. I just want it just wild. And, but God set it up. And I just went, I don't want to receive from you. Not receiving from you. Didn't like her. Leslie Crandall, if you're listening, hello. But didn't like her. Honestly, didn't like her because I was hurt. I'd, I'd come out of a crazy season of stupid mistakes and, and just stuff which snowballed into church and I don't like this and I hate that and I'm just hurt. And, and then I get to BSSM and I'm like, this is all going to be a fresh start. It's going to be amazing, new beliefs, new upgrades, da 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 And the leader I get is like me. <laughs> like intense. <laughs> but this foundation of presence and prophetic and kindness and she said the first day, if you hurt me, I've already chosen to forgive you. What is this world? What is this world? And like full on, she's talking about how like her time with Jesus is everything and it's a priority. She's crying, and, but she's so strong and fierce and amazing. And it got to a point where I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not. And I got voted in to be a small group leader and that's awesome. So that means that I have to go to her house and get trained up and get feedback. And I didn't want it because I don't want you leading me because I don't want that style. But... I had to have it. There was this positional thing that was happening in my life. I had to have it. I had to have the feedback because I wanted to grow, but it was reluctant. There was pride there. There was hurt there. There was just a mixed bag of emotions and I didn't know what was going on. And I went on a journey to discover it because I didn't want to waste the year. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to live in inconsistency. I know there's stuff going on that's going to hurt people around me. Like Lee's like, can I show you a mirror? I'm like, no. I already know what you're going to say. And that's, that's good that you're self-aware. But to actually hear it from someone, it hurts. And I can shut down and get quiet quick when someone's showing me a mirror of some things I've said or done. Mm, that's conflicting to your message on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's full on. 
So this permissional deal, I went on this journey. And I tell you what, when I went from I have to, to I want to, to I'm looking for it, to I'm seeking it, everything changed. Like somehow I got her phone number. Some people will just laugh and go, of course you did. I got her phone number. I'm just messaging her and encouraging her. Just started encouraging her, being intentional. And I was in the small group and there was relationship, there was connection with Tom, her, her husband. And then it just started snowballing where I'd encourage her after her, her messages during school and, and I'd encourage her here and send her words there and I'd just be for her. And Lisa's like, you'd love her. I'm like, no, no, she's <laughs> like, like there was this relationship that started to build when I went from I have to to I'm seeking it and I need it. Like there's something in you. Like it's, you're like me, but you've got this whole other belief system that you're building from. And it's not just intense, it's not harsh, it's not mean, it's not, but we're wired similar, but I don't have this foundation that you have of sonship, daughter, this presence, this prophetic, this, this signs, wonders and miracles, this, this, this belief that anything's possible, this belief that things are going to get better, that he's coming back for a glorious church. I needed that. And if I, stood, if I just stayed in I have to and I don't want it, and if you speak to me, I'm going to put a wall up and I don't want it, I'm just going to do my own thing because I don't need, I've had too much hurt and I'll just figure it out on my own. I'm like, you will be stunted. Like, you can't grow. Like, I promise you, we cannot grow if we don't let people in. I said last week, it's full on, but we're just going to deceive ourselves. And the nature of deception is you don't know you're deceived. The nature of deception is you don't know you're deceived. And you think everything's okay. And it's like, hey, can I show you a mirror? Can I point a blind spot out? And I went to permissional. And we're meant to get one meeting with her because there's 65 in the revolver group. So you get one meeting with her, which is fair enough. And then the six or seven interns encourage you and you get to go with them. I had like nine meetings with her in the meeting every time she said yes because I was seeking it. And there's just something about, for me personally, I've had maybe two, maybe three people give me full permission in their life. And whenever they ask, it's like I'm dropping everything. Boundaries, family, you need to get the understanding. Of course, that's like the, the number one thing in leadership is are you, are you humble? Are you hungry? Are you teachable? Do you want feedback? Like if you don't, we're, we're going to struggle. <laughs> this is going to struggle. I guarantee it that they would be in the top five of every pastoral leader on the planet when it comes to seeing people grow is are they teachable, which is rooted in humility, which is rooted in hunger. And it's hard. But man, when I chose to go from I have to, to I want to, to I, I'm seeking it, everything changed. And our relationship's amazing. And I've asked her to speak it in my life as a spiritual mum. And we check in. She checks in. I text her and she said yes to coming out here, but we're just not sure what year. <laughs> Maybe next year or the year after. But her and her husband will come out here both of them at the same time. It's going to be amazing. But this whole permissional thing is a massive deal because we've got blind spots. Jumped on the Vic Rhodes website. I was interested around blind spots because you've got blind spots. I've got blind spots. A blind spot in a vehicle is an area around the vehicle that cannot be directly observed by the driver. 
while at the controls under existing circumstances. A blind spot in a vehicle is an area around the vehicle, around the vehicle, so it's there, that cannot be directly observed by the driver while at the controls under existing circumstances. And this is what Vic Rhodes has said. When diverging, a head check is required to ensure that there are no undetected vehicles in the blind spots. This whole thing is a massive deal. Just in my remaining minutes, I just want to talk about this positional, permissional leadership, going into finding someone, just some practical things. We're going to keep on this. This, this whole journey deal that we're going after, Echo Church, Heaven to Earth, with our why, how, what model, this whole deal is really founded on mothers and fathers. It's about changing the paradigm of a shepherd, mentor, leader into mothering and fathering. What does that mean? Is a mother and father a leader? Yeah, they are. Are they a mentor? Yes. Are they a shepherd? Yes. Do they look after people? Yes. But the context, the context radically changes because it goes from expectation-based to value-based. It goes from you need to do this to maintain this. It goes into honour and value in seeing you. And it's got the characteristics of a mother and father. If you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul actually explains to the church that how I long to gather you like a mother would its chicks. And in the same ver, uh, uh, slab of scripture, he talks about as a father, I'm doing this. So in the same slab, it's got Paul who actually led like a mother and like a father in the characteristics. And you go through the list of what a mother brings to the table in a family and a father brings to the, the people in the family. You write that list down, that's the context for church leadership. It's what God model, the Trinity model, the Father, Son and Spirit model, those lists. It's what Jesus model and it's what Jesus has actually called his church to model, his church leaders to model, the characteristics of a mother and father. What's the difference? Well, when we talk about the whole accountability deal, it's not an account for your disability. It's the characteristics of mother and father. I don't treat Jude and Bella like that. God doesn't treat me like that. So why, do church, why would we entertain the idea that church leaders can operate like that without the characteristics of a mother and a father? It's huge. So now when we check in and we talk and there's accountability, which is healthy, that'll trigger some things today. That's just that word, accountability. So we've experienced it, accountability. Yeah, well, it's, almost, it's always like, you reading your Bible? You're praying? You're not looking at porn, are you? No, no, yes. But I'm not going to talk to you because I don't feel like seen and loved. So why would I talk to you? No, no, yes. They're my answer, but I'm not telling you. Because if I tell you, no, no, yes, then I don't know how you're going to treat me. Because it, re it requires me to pull my heart out of my chest and be honest with you. And I don't know your world. I don't know if you're going to smash my heart. I don't know if you're going to take care of it and treat me like a mother and a father, which is, and I give an account for my ability. And the language changes to you suck, you're no good, you better do this, to, hey, come on, you're better than that. And we start to treat each other according to the gold inside of us and not what we're not. So when we, when we shift from mentor shepherd leadership into a mothering and fathering environment, we actually create freedom and space for people to be them. Is confrontation required? More so. 
Is brave communication required? More so. As a culture of freedom goes down here, a culture of confrontation has to accompany it. But it's in the context of I'm believing the best before I even think about anything. I'm preferring the best before I even say anything. So this is why this whole feedback thing is just this big ball of confusion where I just don't know where to start because that's my history. And it's going to take time. And small groups is a first step, not devaluing small groups. It's a big step. It's an important step. Because the goal for us is that you would have someone that speaks into your life that's outside of your spouse. People go, no, no, even right now. It's like, yeah, you know, that is, that is really important. Because as I said, you and your spouse can believe the spouse, you and your spouse can believe the same thing about 30 different things. And you have the same perspective on everything. You need, you need a mirror. And it, it's hunger. It's rooted in hunger. It's do you want to grow? Okay, cool. You can't grow without feedback. Impossible to grow without feedback. Just in my remaining minutes, as Tash could come up, that would be fantastic. It, it really, it's a long teaching. It's probably sessions on a Saturday to go through all the dynamics of it. Because we're talking about communication. We're talking about what's the goal? Is it the goal's connection? The goal's authentic relationship. So we've got these large goals, these large foundations that I'm not touching today. So, so if I don't mention certain things, it's just impossible to mention everything. This is a 20-hour session, like a couple of day conference to talk about the whole thing of mothering and fathering, letting people in, feedback, growing, personal transformation, discipleship, goal setting, feedback, how, oh, this is full on. And I feel like these messages are just, they're, they're, they're stating what we're building on. They're revealing what we value. Paul said like to the Corinthian church, he goes, guys, you've got 10,000 fathers, uh, 10,000 teachers. That word in the Greek is translated infinity. He said, guys, you've got Infinity teaches. Knowledge, going after it, education, lectures, study, that whole system. You've got infinity teachers. And Paul says, but you don't have any fathers. It's a big deal. Can communion be passed out? That would be really great. Thanks, guys. finding someone if you're a leader or you're a volunteer and there's someone overseeing you then you fit in that positional leadership category thanks mate so there's feedback required in that and as the leader grows they'll learn how to give great feedback that's rooted in kindness and empathy and want to see you grow so that's a non-negotiable. But if we stay there, we're missing out. Why not be brave and step up into permissional leadership if you're a leader, if you're a volunteer? Will, will that person be the one? 
that knows a lot about you and can encourage you? Maybe, maybe not. But is it a great start? Yeah, because you're in a safe place. You're in a safe team. And it's just slowly learning to open the door and let people in. Hey, I'm a leader in your ministry. I just want to let you know you've got permission. And they're wise enough and amazing enough to navigate that with you and process that with you. They will not go, tell me everything. <laughs> it's a journey. We okay? I'm fully aware of this topic. Receiving requires hunger and high doses of humility. It requires courage and trust. It requires you to ask questions to the person giving you feedback, not defensive, but out of hunger. And then asking the Lord and taking that feedback to the Lord and talking with Him about it, processing it, and then checking back in with the person and goal setting or talking about situations where you can grow around that feedback. And then after the goal setting and the applying it, recheck in. And then this pro, that's called discipleship. But we've made the word scary, accountability and discipleship. We've made it scary. Then we've got the giving part. The giving requires honesty, but it also requires empathy and care. It requires being clear and it requires being direct. But it also requires preferring the best and believing in the receiver. The giver has got to know that it's not criticism and that it's not control and the purpose of feedback is for their improvement. The giver needs to be affirming and they need to be positive. It's a, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I've noticed and this is what I felt when. And it's always building up and it's always encouraging. It's always affirming. It's always an account for your ability. Let's stand to our feet. So good. So I'd encourage you, step one, to choose, to make time, to, to sacrifice time and plan well to be in a small group. It's where this, this high goal of mothers and fathers will grow from. Let's, uh, let's look at the Lord right now in any way that you want to. And I'm just going to re read a core belief statement in what we believe. It's a personal transformation. This is the phrase. We believe in the finished work of the cross and that Jesus has redeemed, restored and transformed us, body, soul and spirit. Full victory in our lives is not only possible, but expected. We are also aware this truth needs to be intentionally embraced and outworked so that it would become a present day reality in our lives. <laughs>